Today's Torah and tea, actually, uh, it's the portion of Mitzorah, but what we'll do is we'll do something about Pesach, you know? Everybody is getting in the mood of Pesach. So let's do a little piece of the Haggadah. Matter of fact, we'll do the very first piece of the Haggadah that we all read together. Okay, so what do we read in the first piece of the Haggadah? Um... We read like this. Um, let's see here. We read like this. Ho or hey, different versions. Lachmo Anya. You remember that? Hey, Lachmo Anya. Di acholu avhosono be'aro demitzroyim. This is actually a piece in Aramaic, this is a piece that starts before we do the Haggadah. The main part of the Haggadah comes after we have the four questions. Manishtana halayla hazeh mikol halilot. The idea is, on Pesach, the yeah. idea is, yeah, I'm giving the class now. Can I call into the class, to the phone? Uh, you can, why don't you just listen in like this if you want to. Yeah, I, I will. Know. Let me just okay. Uh, so, over there, um, so the main place where it all starts, the main place where it all starts is from Avadim Hayinu. It starts with Avadim Hayinu, or it starts Mitchila of the Avadazara. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Hebrew that I'm using over here, but that all comes after the Manishtana. Because one of the things of Pesach, the uh, Haggadah, is that it comes as a response to the questions, the children asking. It's very important. The Torah says, You shall relate it to your son. We know we talk about the four sons, the Chacham, the Rashad, the Tam, the Sheino, the Elishol. So it's all about the children. It's all about answering their question, uh, keeping them interested. Uh, this is all about how to communicate our heritage, our uh, history, how to communicate it and connect with the next generation. But that all comes after the Manishtana. This piece is sort of an introduction that comes before we even start the Manishtana. We start off. What do we say in this piece? This is sort of... And we're really trying to understand this very first piece that we say why is this an introduction and we have a lot of questions what it really means so let's there are basically three sentences these are three different sentences in that first piece that we say what do we say in the very first piece this is the bread of affliction how do we translate the word anya, 
Ani, the bread of affliction, the poor man's bread. The acholu avhasano ba'ara di Mitzrayim, that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Now, when we say this, holachma, what are we talking about, holachma anya? We're talking about the matzah. The matzah that we have on the table for the Seder, we're saying this is the bread of affliction that our fathers ate. Now listen carefully. What does it say? Where did they eat this bread of affliction? It says they ate it. What is Ar'o? Ar'o means Eretz. In the land of Mitzrayim. Wait a minute. What kind of matzah did the Yidin eat? What did Avosonda eat in the land of Egypt? You know, why do we eat matzah? Because when the Jewish people left Egypt, they were chased out so quickly by the Egyptians that they didn't have a chance to make bread. It didn't rise because very quickly they had to leave over there. So why are we saying over here that this is the bread that our fathers ate in Egypt? What kind of... Where do we find that the people in Egypt ate matzah? We don't find that. We know that we eat matzah like it says later on in the Haggadah, because they were chased out very quickly so that the dough did not have a chance to rise. That's why we eat matzah. Why does it say over here that our fathers ate matzah in the land of Egypt? Okay, then the next sentence basically says, anybody that needs, kol dikhfin, what does dikhfin mean? Anyone who's in need. What does it mean anybody's in need? Some people don't have a place where to have their meal. Some people don't have Kiddush, the four cups of wine. So we're saying, anybody who needs, let him come and eat. Let him join. We're inviting them to the table. Come and join us. And then we say further, if you need, come and do the Pesach in the times when there was a Korban Pesach, you said, come and partake in the Korban Pesach. Again, the question really is, why are we inviting guests after we're sitting comfortable at our tables? We already had the first Kiddush cup, and we're already starting, and then we're saying, oh, anybody needy, who are you talking to? I mean, there's nobody needy in the house right now. I mean, if you want to invite guests, why didn't you invite them before Pesach? Why didn't you invite them in Shul before you came home? It's, uh, you know, you're sitting by your table, comfortable, and you got a full meal, and you're saying, if you're hungry, if you need, come. Come and join. Who should come? Guess what? Maybe if people know, maybe they actually join you. So, what's the idea over here of inviting people to come join you for the meal, join you for the Korban Pesach. When you're already after the first cup, Mela, if it was before the first cup, but you, you, you already started the first cup already, why are you inviting now? There has to be another significance over here. And then finally in the third sentence, 
What does this third sentence say? The third sentence says, Hashatahacha, this year we are here. What does it mean here? Here in exile. I guess the people in Israel also say we are here in exile because as long as the Mashiach is not here, we're still in exile. And if you don't believe me, take a look. Unfortunately, the terrorist attacks against the Jewish people that is going on. So you know that that's not the way. We're still here. We're still in Galut. We're still in exile. Even in Eretz Yisrael, we're in exile. Because as long as we don't have the freedom to uh, celebrate and not to have to worry about the enemies trying to uh, hurt us, kill us, then we're not really in a, in a good place. So, what are we saying? This year we're here. However, Lishona Yisrael. Next year we'll be in the land of Israel. Okay, and then we're saying further, Hashata Abdi, this year we are slaves. What does it mean, slaves? Slaves doesn't mean, yeah, you know, if you really think about it, we are slaves to our jobs, to our obligations. We don't have real freedom today. Uh, everybody is constantly being pushed, and in a way, it's a modern-day slavery. Uh, even though we think we have all the freedoms, but we are still slaves. Everybody is a slave. But we're saying, now we're slaves, next year we'll be free people. Now we know, we speak about, in order for a p- person to enjoy their freedom, their uh, success, first they have to feel challenged and difficult and hardship, and then they can really appreciate when they're blessed with wealth, with freedom, with blessings. But if you never experience any hard times, you don't really appreciate. So that's why, like by the Seder, we start off, we say about the difficult times that the Jewish people experienced. They had hardships throughout their history. They had to deal with Esau, Lavan they had to deal with, who tried to destroy them. And uh, Terach, all the various different history that the Jewish people had to endure. So, why are we telling that? Because then we want to tell you, oh, Maschil Beginus, we started off very... But now Hashem has taken us out and He made, brought us close to Hashem. So now we can appreciate. That's why we eat the marer and we do various things. We have, some people say, the salt water. We do certain things to show how bitter it was and difficult it was because only then can we appreciate the freedom. But here, in this sentence, we're basically saying that now we are not in a good position. We're saying we are here, we're in exile, we're slaves. We're saying a wish. Oh, next year 
Amidst Hashem, God willing, Hashem will take us out. But what we're saying, what's the now and here? We're slavery, we're enslaved. We are in Galut, we're in exile. So why would we want to start this Seder when we're trying to get into the mood of freedom, celebration, the joy, excitement, and we're saying, oh, you know what, we're in exile and we're slaves. How is that going to help us, put us in the mood? The main question is, why is all this the opening of the Seder? What is this peace? Why is this peace coming to open up and give us starters over the Seder? Why, how do we explain that? Uh, okay, so we went through the questions on each one of these pieces. The first question we had, is this the bread our parents ate in Egypt? What kind of a matzah did they eat in Egypt, really? I mean, we didn't know that. Because we don't have any record of the uh, Israelites when they were in Egypt that they fed them matzah. I mean, some people think, uh, explain, that matzah lasts longer than bread. So because they were slaves... They fed them matzah so that they didn't have to eat so much. Other people say that they ate matzah because the other people say that the reason they ate matzah was because uh, it was quickly to bake. They didn't have time. They were always pushing them to work so all they can bake is matzah. But there is no record in the Torah anywhere stating that the Jews in Egypt ate matzah. It doesn't say anywhere. Why would they all of a sudden come and say, this is the bread that they ate in Egypt? Second question we were wondering is, why are we inviting the guests after Kiddush? Why not invite them in shul before coming home? should invite them in the shul. Why sitting at home with your doors closed and inviting the guests? And number three... Why are we talking about how difficult our situation is now? We're in Galut, we're in slavery. How does that all connect? Yes, go ahead. The way the Rebbe explains it, that it's precisely... I'm sorry? The way the Rebbe explains it... By the way, uh, uh, but the Rebbe actually explains that what we're trying to... Uh, do here is explain actually before we do the Seder you know this exact paradox this is exactly why this piece is coming as an introduction because this piece is coming basically to explain to us what's going on over here you're coming down to the Seder table and we're telling you that we're going to celebrate freedom we have to recline and we're going to do, we're going to drink four cups to celebrate. But the reality doesn't really fit. We, we, we see, A, we see that at the table there are sitting all kinds of children, children with difficulties, children with hardships. Russia, Atam, Shaini, Elisha, 
we have difficulties. We're also sitting with people that have needs. They need food still. They need a place to eat. So we wonder what was accomplished with this whole exodus of Egypt. We became free people, but we don't see any of the benefits practically. We see what we see with our eyes is we see that there is difficulties, there's challenges, there is uh, children, problems with children, there is problems with livelihood, with our sustenance. And most important, we're still in exile. And we're not in Israel. And we have all these issues. How could we say that here we're celebrating, we're sitting down by the Seder? That's why this priest is an introduction. So the Rebbe explains like this. When we say here, this is the bread of affliction that our parents ate in Egypt, is really telling us that even the bread that they ate, the matzah that they ate when they were going out, they were still in Egypt. Basically saying that the Jews didn't really fully get their freedom at the time that they left Egypt, which means like this. The reasons why the Jews went down in Egypt in the first place was to fix whether it was the sin of Adam HaRishon when he ate from the tree of knowledge. They needed to go up and they needed a fix. What happens sometimes in the process of trying to fix, Hashem said the Jewish people, unfortunately, they did not live up to the task to fix. They sort of got involved in the Egyptian culture and the Egyptian worships. They got caught up in it. So they too were sort of uh, falling down. And when it came the time to take them out of Egypt, in of themselves, they weren't really worthy of going out of Egypt because they actually failed the task miserably because they learned from the Egyptians and they became and they picked up all their culture and the measure of judgment said to Hashem, why do the Jews deserve to leave Egypt? They're all doing idol worship. The non-Jews, the Egyptians and the Jews, they're all doing idol worship. Why should they go out of Egypt? So they were complaining and that was a, a, a strong complaint. The Jews didn't fix, they actually became more involved there. It was so basically what the Haggadah is telling you in the beginning, the way the Rebbe interprets it, this is the bread of affliction that our parents ate while they were still in Egypt because they never really fully left Egypt in the sense they themselves were still stuck in Egypt in the sense that they haven't yet on their own come to a level of really being worthy of going out of redemption. So we're basically saying that from the moment we left Egypt until Mashiach will come, we are still in the process of the exodus of Egypt. In other words, it started then. So when we're saying, well, there is, there is needy and there is people... We're not really inviting 
guests here. That's not really the point. Like we said, invite the guests in shul. Over here, we're basically saying, look, this is still the bread of Egypt. We are still in the process. Had the Jewish people lived up to the task, they would have been freed and there would be no other exile. Had we lived up to the task during the first Beit HaMikdash, during the second Beit HaMikdash, those would have been eternal redemptions. We are still waiting for. So what we're basically saying over here is, we're not trying to talk about how difficult our situation is now. We're saying, we're explaining, why is our situation difficult now? We're explaining is because we're the hope. We're in the process that next year we'll be in Yerushalayim. Next week we'll be with Mashiach, we'll be a free people. So don't despair and don't become disappointed and don't think that nothing has been accomplished. It's a process, process that started with the exodus of Egypt. It's an ongoing process because the bread that they ate was in Egypt. And we still have to deal with all these struggles. But we are hopeful. We pray and we're hopeful that this is still the process, that next year the process will be over. Now we are actually in exile. But next year we'll be free people. Now we're slaves, but uh, next year in Jerusalem. Now we're slaves, next year we'll be free people. And the Rebbe goes on to explain how many different pieces in the Haggadah actually fit this general theme that we're trying to explain over here, that we're still working on going out of Egypt. However, Hashem used his strong hand and he pulled us out of Egypt, even though we didn't deserve, and that was the Yod HaChazakah, his strong hand, against all the critics and against all the measures. Hashem took it took us out, but we ourselves still remained in Egypt. So, in other words, we physically left Egypt and we started the process. Shem took us out by himself, sort of pulled us out by our collars, pulled us out of Mitzrayim and says, come on, you're coming with me. Basically, Hashem enlightened them, gave them a, a bolt of lightning of wanting to go. And that's why it says the people ran away. Why? Because it says had they not run away at that instance from Egypt, they would have gotten stuck there and they would have never gone out. They had to run away. See, when you're running from something, it means they're still chasing you. The Jewish people from Egypt ran away because they were still attached. They had a lot of likings and they had a lot of things, that baggage that they carried along from Egypt. And that's why they had to run away. Same thing is for us. A lot of times, you can't just go. You must run away. And that's why uh, Hashem had to intervene, pull us out, and brought us the redemption, and we celebrate Pesach.